Hello, everybody. Oh my gosh, it's Anderson Cooper, everybody! Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Unfiltered Supporters Show. Hey there, buddy. How you doing, Chase? Uh, pretty good. Doing uh, Taking the place of Anderson Cooper. Yeah, yeah. I will uh, step in. Well, to be honest, saddle. I think I like your hair better than Anderson Cooper's hair. You know, I'm yeah. rocking great hair today. Yeah, I, do yeah. need, I do need a haircut, though. No, I think you should go big. I like it big. Go go all in with big. Did you, did you notice last year? You didn't even uh, last week. You didn't even uh, notice. I was I was growing out. I did notice. Yeah. I just thought you were going to go for it, but then today I, you're all clean shaven. Yeah, you know why? Like a baby's bottom. You know you know why? The, what? The, the, the spassel unit uh, did not care for it. Oh, see, I have the opposite problem. Oh, she loves it. Yeah, she she's all about it. She's like, no, you can't shave that she's off. She's all about the beard. She's all about it. <laughs> so uh, uh, we're uh, continuing a stretch of supporters-only shows. Well, actually, they're supporter shows that we're opening up to the general audience, too, for a couple of weeks while we make some changes behind the scenes. Yes. Uh, which we'll have more information about that very soon. Well, uh, and, and when some people may get confused when they say behind the scenes, it's not necessarily affiliated with the show, per se. It's just right. a more of a file management. Oh, stuff. yeah. 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 Uh, storage and networking infrastructure yeah. stuff yeah. that we use because the supporters, yeah, it's a, it's a bunch of files to distribute. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you guys, don't worry. Unfilter isn't changing. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's an amazing. It's a, it's a yeah. back end thing. It's a back end stuff. Yeah. yeah, back end. It's a the as the unfilter show grows, the back end gets big. You know what I'm saying, you know, Chase? I, you know, you know me, Chris. You know what I'm I, saying? I like a big back end. What? So did you order your iPhone six, Chase? <laughs> I, I, I try. You know the thing. Oh, is, you did? Well, I mean, I could not stay up to three a.m. on a Friday to get it. Three a.m. It was twelve. I thought no, order- no. Well, it's supposed. To, it was supposed to like happen right at midnight yeah, magically, yeah. but people yeah. had issues yeah. ordering up until like two or three in the morning. I had to be at work the next day. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't do it. You had to be I, a. You had to be a, a responsible adult, right? So I'll just wait a month or two, and yeah, I'll just go walk fine. in and pick Somehow it up. you'll manage, right? I'll get the second batch. <clears throat> so we got a lot of ISIS stuff to get to today. ISIL, Chris. Right. ISIL. Uh, and uh, before we get to that, we also have a few other things to cover. And yes. since this is the supporter show, yes. I want to start wide and then work our way in. You know how I do, <laughs> right? I start around so, the outside, right? So and I get the out. So we're going to work around the outside and then work our way down, and we'll get deep in there, and we'll uh, really kind of extract the core juices of the situation. Uh, we're talking about the news and politics of the world around us. Right. Yes. Uh, uh, so, uh, you know, I wish there was a less disgusting thing to transition to, but I, I, we got to talk about Ebola. We've been avoiding the Ebola topic. Well, we... Well, it's just well, not, the president did touch on it last week I, I'm not during even, his speech. I, I don't even so. know if I want to say avoiding it. It's just we're, we're not buying into the hysteria of it. No, no. I mean, it is bad. It's really yeah, bad. You know, it's awful. It's the just The thing is, awful. is, I also have a very um, distasteful opinion about this stuff. Oh. You know- About and, viruses? No. About uh, any time the United States goes to help in Africa. I just oh, have this yeah. deep, a yeah. little, a little, yeah. little gross skepticism. Like, oh, I don't know- you know, like Coney 2012 or Save Our Girls or, you know, these kinds of things. Ha- end up- Wait, are you saying hashtag Ebola? Is that Some, what? Well, it's just like, it's funny how it's funny how every time they need our help, our answer is send in the troops. And I got a map in the show notes you guys should check out that shows deployments for U.S. assets and resources at least since 2013. Do you fe- see that with the Google map with the little uh, flag, different multicolored flags on there? I'll, I'll be getting into here in a, in a moment. All right, here. so while you dig that up, uh, I thought maybe we'd start there. So uh, 3,000 troops are being sent into Africa. You probably heard about this. We'll play a little bit of information to catch us all up to date on what's going on. Fight against Ebola, which as of today became a military matter. 
As we set up to 3,000 American military personnel will be deployed into this hot zone in Africa at a starting cost of $600 million, all of it to combat an outbreak the World Health Organization called today, quote, unparalleled in modern times. I love um, how slickly Brian is laying in the military sort of combat style speak about the situation combat yeah. this virus because you know one thing that stops viruses is bullets right everybody right. knows let's just play it back a little bit let's just listen to a few more of these uh let's just go back a little bit more listen to a few more of these words thousand american military personnel will be deployed into this hot zone in africa at what? a starting cost of 600 million dollars all of it to combat an outbreak the world health organization called today quote unparalleled in modern times we get our report tonight from our chief medical editor dr nancy snyderman Nancy. The images from West Africa are searing. Children alone in the streets, men collapsed. Cue the weird hypnotic voice filter. I was just going to ask. You, they were doing this. And you notice it's a total change. Yeah, I know. And this is a package. It's packaged like this. Why is she in a filter? I don't know, dude. It is the weirdest. Is she talking through team speak or something? It's like, a, it's like she's phased. It's like they phased yeah. her. And left to die. With Ebola now spiraling beyond a health crisis and into a global security threat, President Obama said the United States must do more. Ebola is now an epidemic uh, of the likes that we have not seen before. He's and so the administration too. announced today Operation United Assistance. Love it. Sending 3,000 troops, including medical, engineering, and security forces. Building 17 treatment centers in Liberia shipping 10,000 sets of protective equipment and supplies. So the RT today, when they did the, their take on this, of course, they had somebody on from Africa. And uh, so and one, at the one point, the guy says, can I just ask, uh, what does the military know about Ebola? Because as far as I was aware, the world's leading experts on Ebola are here in Africa right now. Yeah. What, what are the military troops? Yeah, what are they going to be doing? And what do the military doctors know about Ebola? training healthcare workers, and assisting with security. We've done it in Haiti several times. Oh, yeah. We've done it in <laughs> South America. We've done it in Africa before. We've done it in Southeast Asia. But this is an infectious hot zone. That is unprecedented. And I can't remember a time. I wonder if, you know, are we, so are we going to send these troops down there and they're going to get sick? Are we sending down red shirts? Oh, geez. Well, we exactly. troops to do this particular mission. U.S. forces will not have any direct contact with Ebola patients, but they will be dealing with people who are scared and suspicious of outsiders <laughs> offering to help. So the question remains, who's really in charge? We've got the Russians, the Cubans, the Japanese, the Chinese, the Ugandans, the Europeans, the Canadians, all working on this issue. Who's going to take control? The virus is spreading much faster than efforts to contain it. Researchers suspect the epidemic started last December with one case in Guinea. Now, there are nearly 5,000 cases in five African countries. Some experts predict that if we don't get control of the virus, the number of infections could mushroom to nearly 55,000 by next month. Now, I am not trying to downplay these numbers. That is horrible. But you have to put it in perspective of like car crashes, deaths from cigarette smoking. This is a lot of lives, but there are a lot of people in the world. And this is a very bad thing. But there are a lot of other things that are going on right now that claim just as many lives. Yep. Today, Ebola survivor and missionary Dr. Kent Brantley met with the president before testifying before Congress. I witnessed the horror that this disease visits upon its victims. This is not simply a matter of providing humanitarian aid. It is very much a national security concern. 
The death toll By has way, climbed to over Chris, 20. Do you think that he wrote that on his own or did Obama's speechwriter mm. help him with that? I don't know who was speechwriter, but. Because that felt like a, a, a yeah. talking point well, that. And think about how that comes about. Like, if you're going to go and you're, you're going to be televised, you're going to be testifying, you're going to have somebody you trust, maybe even somebody you. Help you. Yeah. I mean, all right. I know I'm no expert, I'm not a doctor. But if I was infected and, you know, some of the best doctors in the world helped me recover. Using uh, the miracle cure. The miracle cure. Have you cure. read about that? Yeah, yeah. The experimental mi- yeah. miracle cure that we have. And yeah. then I got to meet the president of the United States. I don't know. I wouldn't come up with, oh, uh, well, this is a national. I mean, it just right. doesn't feel like something that maybe he it would It feels say. like he was channeled through a path and it right. was handed to him. Yeah. And, yeah. It just felt weird. And now the phasing is gone. 500 cases. And if there <laughs> Thanks, is Nancy. a silver lining in this epidemic, it may be that we're finally talking about a real commitment to improving fragile health care systems in West Africa. Oh, yeah. And around the world. Oh, yeah. A national security concern. That's yes, the takeaway quote. Nancy, thank you. As oh, always. see, see, man, even Brian picked up on that. Yeah. Yeah. All Thank right, you, so you Brian. Got, you got the map there on your screen. Yeah, look at that. So you see those, and that only I think goes back to uh, t- uh, 2013. Those everywhere there's a little flag. That's where the U.S. is doing something in Africa right now. Look at that. <laughs> you see that? That's in the show notes for those of you listening to the audio only version. Wow, we're all over the place. Yeah, except for Egypt. There's like only one pin there. <laughs> I just uh, I I like. Like, boy, there's some areas where we're really super busy. And then you see the ones out in the water. Yeah. Those are our backup bases. So if some S goes down on shore, we, uh, we got contingency stuff right there ready to rock. And good thing we have enough money to, you know, yeah. fund these operations. The thing, the other, yeah, the other one that's great is if you go look at the same map for China and then you really see what's up. Then you can really see, uh, like, we're, we're, we're down there, we're competing. And the Chiners are up there. They're, they're laying down roads right now for the Africans. They're loving that. Yeah. So uh, we're competing on that level. So now we're coming in and, you know, we're living up to our, as Obama says it, we're living up to our responsibility. In fact, let me see if I think I have that clip right here. Faced with this outbreak, the world is looking to us, the United States. And it's a responsibility that we embrace. Uh, we're prepared to take leadership on this, to provide the kinds of capabilities that only America has. I think you could play this back. Uh, we're willing to seize this opportunity and leverage it for our national interests yeah. uh, because that's what we've got to do. Right. Uh, when America comes calling, or when the world comes calling, America answers. Today, President Obama will lay out the new U.S. effort to contain the Ebola outbreak in West Africa. It is a huge escalation. The plan includes the deployment of up to 3,000 U.S. military personnel. Compare that to Iraq. There are 1,600 U.S. military troops in Iraq right now. We're talking about 3,000 troops headed to West Africa. Also, the addition of 1,700 beds for treating patients in Liberia alone. The U.S. military will be taking a command and control role for the international response to the crisis. On Thursday, the U.N. Security Council will hold an emergency meeting to discuss how to get a better global response to the outbreak. Right now, on the ground in West Africa, international relief groups say their workers are exhausted and at their breaking point. More than 240 staffers have been sickened by Ebola, with half of them dying. The virus already has killed more than 2,400 people. So I don't know if I love the idea of sending troops in there. I really think that could be dangerous. Well, I I would say this. If anybody's probably going to be well-protected for chemical warfare, I mean— with a viral infection, it would probably be our military, wouldn't it? Yeah, and they say they're not going to be dealing directly with patients. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's a lot of troops to send down there to not deal directly with patients. Something I don't know. It might be a little bit on the lighter side. I believe, like, I believe this is dark commentary on the state of America's society, but at the same time, it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. So I want to play this one for right. you. Okay, you're familiar with the term swatting. Uh huh. 
<laughs> a normal Wednesday afternoon, this Colorado man is playing his favorite shooting game. Heavily armed SWAT Wait, teams Dick. battling Wait, yeah. criminals. Give me a break, right? Wait. Wait, can't our, they can't our, they do RT, better B-roll than that? RT, I'm sorry. No, oh, it's RT. Yeah, they have the worst B-roll ever. All right. No, RT, I don't. RT like needs to learn about Shutterstock or something. They we, have the worst. We need worst. a trigger. We need a trigger. Yeah. get one on a joystick. No, and then not only do they have the worst B-roll ever, but I bet you you'll see it repeated again too. Oh. And they're all about the B-roll on the on the hey, on the RT. That being said, at least they gave yeah. credit to this guy on YouTube. And, and I do like that they uh, they started with terrorist win. I think yeah, that was counter terrorist win. Yeah. yeah. When suddenly the imaginary world broke into reality, quite literally. Now you're getting swatted. What in the world? The gamer known as Kutra was swatted. This is a new kind of prank called swatting. This term stands Not for a I mean prank. Anonymous hackers reporting fake hostage situations and other violent crimes, all just to see SWAT teams rush in <laughs> on innocent victims. Gosh. It began as a trend exclusive to Hollywood royalty. Let's get right to that Hollywood home invasion that may have been a high-stakes hoax, a SWAT team descending on Ashton Kutcher's mansion. Now, the dangerous stunt has Wait, moved from the big why screen... Why are they showing... I don't know, dude. But now they're showing Minecraft. Okay. Well, because I think this next part has to do with Minecraft. Oh, okay. To the virtual world. <laughs> oh, my God. Police stormed the home of this Florida man last week while his wife and daughters were sleeping. He was moderating a game of Minecraft. Every moment since then is no sleep, no, no peace in the house. The children are terrified. Shortly after, a debate over how to... You're a target, Chase. Watch out. They swatted a guy just playing Minecraft, dude. He was just playing know, Minecraft. Just playing Minecraft. On a green screen, too, buddy. That uh, could have been you. That could have been me. swatting took over the net. Hundreds reacting to an article about a 15-year-old swatter charged with domestic terrorism and sentenced to 25 years to life in federal prison. Some felt the punishment was too extreme. Others expressed no remorse for the teenager. I believe that the sentence for swatting should be... At most, one year. 25 years is way too much for a teenager. <laughs> but almost everyone didn't realize the article was satirical, a fake story. However, a real discussion over how to punish gaming swatters is just beginning. California is among the first states to pass a bill that cracks down on swatting. Under the law, callers or their parents will be required to reimburse police agencies <laughs> the full cost for each emergency response, which runs as high as $10,000. Also, why the hell do we spend that much money on our SWAT for one raid? $10,000. And then I would be filing a civil lawsuit right. for pain, suffering, and damages. I love the I love the lawmakers that are sitting around going, man, you know, the problem isn't uh, our uh, police force has been over-militarized in response to situations in an over-aggressive fashion. Nope, that's not the problem. <laughs> Yeah. That's not what we need to fix. I mean, you know, I made so much money uh, streaming Minecraft and uh, other games that I decided to do, take up a second job full time. You but, bet, buddy. Uh, but man, I mean, yeah, that's actually happened here in the in the metro area too, in the Puget Sounds. You know, uh, some some kids have gotten swatted. I just, I don't know. What well, one part that bothers me, you know, obviously the police walk in, they see a guy on a computer, they see they don't see any. They probably weapons. think he's a terrorist. And then what, so, so what? They have to throw cuffs on the guy because he's doing cyber they warfare have too. Yeah, I mean, geez, for their safety, Chase. What if I mean you just walk it in? Some guys on a keyboard and the guy puts his hands up. Get yeah. on the ground. Yeah, no, it's because their safety. 
and the cops are all yeah. cussing at I, the dude. I love, I love, I love, like, the, well, we had to shoot him when we busted into his own house and surprised him out of nowhere with an entire army pouring through his door. We all had to defend ourselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you had to defend yourself. Yeah. I mean. <sighs> uh, so while we're talking about uh, overreaching uh, police, uh, this is one for our Canadian friends. It looks like to be a bit of a scam you need to be aware of, a scam that runs the tune of $2.5 billion. Hey. The Canadian government has issued a warning to their citizens of what some have described as a shakedown perpetrated by U.S. law enforcement agents. The official Canadian government website claims that civil servants ranging from local police to federal agents working for their neighbor to the south are illegally seizing cash and goods from tourists. RT's Alexei Yarshevsky brings the details. Have you heard about this? No. If you go to the official website of the Canadian government, you may read an advice about traveling to the United States, uh, suggesting that there's no limit on cash you could be carrying around in your pocket. But still, the government says that uh, it is not advisable to have many cash on you because banking could be problematic for non-U.S. Uh, residents. And this advice just received an absolutely new meaning. Uh, the CBC uh, service in Canada is reporting on a huge shakedown happening in the United States and the perps are wearing uniforms. Different. This guy is trying so hard to be clever. What he's trying to say is that the Canadian government has updated their warnings for Canadian travelers going to the U.S., that's what he's trying to say. Yeah. But he's trying to be such a cool TV broadcaster. I think he just spent 30 seconds saying nothing. Yeah. A sort of law enforcement um, representatives from federal agents to state troopers on the roads are uh, literally ripping money off uh, people on the roads. It happens in a way that they stop you. Uh, they stop your car for a minor infraction like changing lanes without a signal. The um, offense is not... Now, how do, what do you suppose they do? What's What excuse? They, so they pull you over for something I, minor. I, I already know where this is going. What, what? What is the reason they have to seize, like, say, the cash in your vehicle? Or All whatever? right, so who's going to say, well, hey, you know, I know I could give you a ticket here, but what we can do is we can just go ahead and clear this up right now. You think? That would be, no, see, that that would be too corrupt. What you have to do is pretend like there's some legal justification. Like, well, how so- about... F- prove a negative. That prove prove to me you're not breaking the law with this money right now. Relevant at all? Then the officer has a chat with you and asks to uh, have a look uh, inside your car. If he finds any cash in your car, then he asks you to prove that this is not a money laundering case or you're not what? involved in any uh, drug transportation. Yeah, you like that? What? How much do you like that? A lot? You like that a whole lot? Holy crap! I know. And then when they and then of course right. first first number one thing first number one thing. First number one thing. First number one. What, Jay? Double, double. The first thing is people need to realize that- You don't have to let them search your car. You don't have to let them search your car. Right. Don't let them search the car. You don't. Unless they- unless and I, I mean, that's the number one thing. See, here's what, here's what happens, though. What? You're out of the country. You're yeah. not familiar with local laws. Right. You don't want to have a big problem while you're visiting. You yeah. just want to move things along, so you be very polite. Also, you're Canadian. And, you know, you're not used to overreaching but, but authorities, even, maybe. But even Americans- do the same thing. Well, I don't want yeah. any problems, so I'm just going to let him search my car. Yeah. I'm going to let him walk in my house. I don't want a problem. All the cop has to do is go, I don't know, though. Sir, I believe I smell marijuana. I have to search your vehicle now. All right. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, then that would be on record now, wouldn't it? So you know how I like to start out and work my way in? Now we're going to start working our way towards Syria and Iraq by Ooh. talking a little bit about Libya. Libya is on the brink of plunging into yet another bloody civil conflict. That's the opinion of the UN's top envoy to the country. A rival gang violence is aggravating the political turmoil and crippling security. 
RT's Guy Nate Chichikan found out how close to a new civil war Libya really is. With the Islamic State group rampant in Iraq and Syria, Libya seems to be off the media radar. But the country is becoming a new hub for terrorists. Europe, being just a boat ride away from Libya, is raising the alarm. The South is a sort of hub for terrorist groups, where they come to resupply, including with weapons. In the North, the political and economic centres of the country are now at risk from falling under jihadist control. Jihadists have already seized control of its capital, Tripoli, forcing the Libyan government to relocate to the country's east. In the growing state of anarchy and with fears that Libya is turning into the next Iraq, many look back at when the chaos began. The United States led the effort to pass a historic resolution at the Security Council authorizing all necessary measures to protect the Libyan people. Three years after NATO helped take out Colonel Gaddafi... The Man, we've done so much help, too. Woo! Libyans are as unprotected as ever, with rival militias struggling to take control of the country. Europe, too, is becoming increasingly vulnerable to the forces the chaos has unleashed. Europe is certainly uh, easily victimized by any terrorism that might come from North Africa. Not only are there large uh, uh, expatriate and immigrant populations in, in a variety of countries in Europe that come from that region, but also there's just the obvious proximity between uh, Libya, North Africa, and Southern Europe, which of course would be a highway to the rest of Europe. And that spillover will happen in Europe, not the United States. The U.S. is now gearing up for action in Syria. I will not hesitate to take action against ISIL in Syria as well as Iraq. The Obama administration plans to ramp up the arming and training of Syrian rebels, which they will use to fight not only jihadists of the Islamic State group, but also the Assad government. All right, let's pause it right there because she's leading us right into our next topic, uh -huh. uh, which we are, we are about to get further into. But a little good, you see how that leads us in, you see how yep. we go from Lyri uh, yep. Lyria, yep. Libya, <laughs> Libya to Syria. Right. Uh, and... Uh, I think that's a good stop. So yeah. with, that's a little tease. Before we get into all of that, because that's probably going to eat up the most, uh, the largest chunk of the show, I did want to do a little NSA update. It's been a little while since we've had a few things to cover on the NSA, yeah. and we have a couple of stories on that front. Uh, two, they're just in show notes only for you guys. Uh, the first one is the New York Times took a pretty good look at uh, Israel's role in using the NSA data they get. Um, We've reported on this a long time ago, but according to Edward Snowden, and he recently re-repeated it to a Wired magazine writer, we give Israel full take. No redactions, no removal of any personal information, full take, phone recordings, emails, everything. Yeah. And uh, the uh, New York Times talks a little bit about how that data has been supplied to Israel's Unit 8200 and what they do with the data. Oh. Uh, also, another report that we have linked in the show notes from NBCNews.com uh, is readdressing this, oh, after the Snowden leaks, the terrorists adjusted their encryption techniques and began avoiding our well, surveillance. They, they, they even wanted to charge him right. for, for those those alleged allegations. Well, there's no evidence, actually, that that's true at all. That's according to a new analysis that challenges other recent research, and we have the story to that in the show notes as well. Ah, very so nice. So, look, it's... Uh, oh, yes, you have it up right yeah, there, I, don't I you? I do. Very yes. nice. Yeah, yes. so we have that linked... In the show notes as well. So the other the other thing that I thought maybe we would play a clip about today is uh, 
I see this case that we're about to play as the linchpin in what enabled the prison program. It allowed the government to sort of steamroll over these tech companies, and it kind of began a long time ago with Yahoo. Yahoo was threatened with a $225,000 fine a day if they didn't get in line with prison. And American Internet companies have received a lot of grief for giving in to the government's secret warrantless demands to hand over user data in the name of national security. But details are now emerging over the type of pressure the government has used to get that information. Documents recently declassified yesterday by U.S. intelligence services now reveal that U.S. authorities threatened to fine Yahoo $250,000 a day back in 2008 if it didn't hand over their user data. Now, this came after the company had challenged the government's data demands in 2007, calling them unconstitutional and an overboard surveillance. Yahoo did ultimately comply with that request, dodging the fine, and that made it one of the first companies to begin providing information to PRISM, a program revealed last summer by whistleblower Edward Snowden that gave the NSA access to millions of online communications of foreign and American citizens alike. To discuss the... Yeah, we don't need to hear that part. So what do you think (laughs) of that, Chase? uh, So you can see, like, if... uh, So what happens is Yahoo gets put in this position because they lose an appeal, right? So they essentially, when that happened, set a precedent. So if any tech company was going to go fight it after that point, I'm not trying to excuse the tech company because I would have I would have liked to have seen each of them fight it every single step of the way. But essentially, you could see how a company like Microsoft would look at that and go, well, they just tried to do exactly what we would do and they failed. Now they're getting threatened with a fine. So, you know, what we got to do we got to protect our bottom line. So we better just get tuck and roll here. But but if the. If the act of what they're doing, the government, is illegal and against the Constitution right? and I know, against right? everything, why couldn't they fight that I know. at all? I know. I mean, sure. I, I, I mean, so I easy. wish they could have fought it every step of the it, way. Well, it's so easy to armchair quarterback this and say, you know what? I would say, fine. Fine us. Let's take this to court. Let's put um, let's push down the, the, the court of public opinion as well. Let them know everything that's going on. But obviously, no. They said, right. oh, well, but here's the thing, right, Chris? What if, what if? Hello, they, hi there. Hey, hi. Are you making out with your mic no, in the middle of a show? No, it fell over. Oh. Um, oh, that's what she said. Hey, now, what if they did this on purpose to make it feel like, oh, well, we had to give in, but they were always intending on giving in? That's like multi-level bacon, Chase. I, I don't know. even know how to. I, who knows? I just think it's a piece of the puzzle, and we don't have to make any conclusions. I think we just look at it and say, okay, that's a little bit more now that we know, a little bit yeah. of the background. Yeah. Maybe we'll hear Microsoft's story at some point, because if you look at the documents, that's it's like true. Microsoft was first in. That's true. So why are we hearing? See, we're hearing the most about Yahoo. But wasn't AT&T really the ones first well, in with I that closet in well, San yeah. Francisco? Yeah. They were covered by a whole different, uh, something else completely. That I, 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 What I find fascinating is a lot of the focus has been on Yahoo's fight. It almost sounds like Microsoft went right in immediately, and then when it got to Yahoo, they were the first to fight. Right. I want to know why we're not, because if Microsoft was first, according to the documents they were, why aren't we hearing about what they tried to do? Exactly. If they did anything. Yeah, that's true. All right, you ready to switch gears to uh, ISIL and ISIS? ISIL, ISIS. IS. IS is what the definition, what is, is. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to do a little coverage, and I think where we start is where we left off last week with uh, Obama's speech. But before we get to that, I love this compilation that this website put together of... Four presidents saying, we're going in, we're bombing Iraq. <laughs> so let's, uh, this is just a great clip I want to play for you guys. Nice. As I report to you, 
air attacks are underway against military targets in Iraq. To strike military and security targets in Iraq. At this hour, American and coalition forces are in the early stages of military operations to disarm Iraq, to free its people, and to defend the world from grave danger. We will conduct a systematic campaign of airstrikes against these terrorists. Moreover, I've made it clear that we will hunt down terrorists who threaten our country wherever they are. That means I will not hesitate to take action against ISIL in Syria as well as Iraq. Just a little reminder that uh, this is sort of the same thing we've been doing over, over and, and over. over. And also we talk about yeah. how we're sending troops on the ground and things like that, but we have to also remember that contractors have been there this entire time. So uh, I think that's something we kind of forget in this conversation. And since our last show, there has been another beheading, so I want to cover that really quickly as well. Just before coming on the air tonight, we received word that a British hostage has apparently been murdered execution style by his ISIS captors in another videotape beheading. The video surfaced on the Internet late today showing what appears to be 44-year-old aid worker David Haynes reading a statement before being brutally killed. The tape has not been publicly authenticated by British or American authorities. It appeared on the Internet just a day after his family issued a public plea to his captors. NBC's Kristen Welker is monitoring this new development and joins us now from the White House with more. Kristen? Lester, NBC News has learned tonight of a videotape released by the official media wing of ISIS, purportedly showing the beheading of British hostage David Haynes. As you said, Haynes, 44, has been held captive since 2013, when it is believed he was taken from the Turkish-Syrian border. The White House has not commented. This comes hours after his family released a statement appealing to his captors. The statement reads in part, we are the family of David Haynes. We have sent messages to you to which we have not received to reply. We are asking those holding David to make contact with us. ISIS is responsible for killing those two American journalists, James Foley and Stephen Sotloff. The Obama administration has embarked on what the White House spokesman is now calling a war against ISIS. The U.S. has launched about 160 airstrikes against ISIS targets in Iraq, and it's expected Syria will be next. The terrorist group is headquartered in that country. The administration has been working to build an international coalition to defeat the group. Secretary Kerry crisscrossing the Middle East to get Arab allies on board. And while 10 Arab nations have signed commitments to provide some military aid, it is unlikely they will commit their armies. President Obama continues to insist no U.S. boots on the ground. This latest incident could heighten the international outrage over this group. So I want to talk a little bit here for a second about that uh, coalition of the willing that is being established right now. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, we talk about no U.S. troops are going to go on the ground, right? We're not going to send it's we're going to do air support. We're going to do intelligence. We're going to be advisors. Well, I, I assume I, I'm, I'm hoping that you have this certain clip of a certain person. Right. Saying that. Well, it's not exactly accurate. Obama visits the Pentagon Central Command in Tampa today to discuss his plan to destroy ISIS. A CBS News New York Times poll out this morning shows 57 percent of Americans do not think the president is being tough enough with ISIS. Forty one percent approve of the way he is handling terrorism. That is a new low for this poll. In May of 2011, after Osama bin Laden was killed, 72 percent approved of the president's handling of terrorism. Look how good they've done at scaring the American people in just about 40 
so 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 about forty days or so that we've really been having ISIS just totally in the news ISIL, cycle. Chris. Right? Uh, can you believe this? Can you believe how effective this is in two thousand and fourteen with the internet and with all we've seen since September eleventh? <laughs> and all you of the things we've been told about Al Qaeda <laughs> that you were still yeah. so dramatically falling. Yeah. I want to yeah. just let's blah, 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 just want to play these numbers back just for a second. Let's just focus on these numbers just for a second because these numbers represent how much the American public is buying all of this. Is being tough enough with ISIS. Fifty-seven percent of people think Obama is not doing enough to go kill the people that we financed and armed in the first place. Fifty-seven percent. Forty-one percent approve of the way he is handling terrorism. That is a new low for this poll. In May of 2011, after Osama bin Laden was oh. killed, 72% approved of the president. You know what I never get, Chris? Why is it that news organizations have to constantly remind you of what they're that you're thinking? Right. I mean, it's a poll, right? right? right. So yeah, when yeah. you like, yeah, yeah I, yeah. oh, I, I'm in the disapprove right. camp, Urgh. right? And uh, we all know these polls are crap. I mean, because yeah. they could say, yeah, I, it's I, all in matter of phrasing of the question. Like I, what I, the way I look at it is like if I see enough polls that all kind of say around the same thing, I start to believe it eventually. Like that's where I'm getting now with the public support of yeah. going and kicking ISIS ass. Is uh, now I'm starting to think, okay, maybe they really do think this because I've seen like three. Or four polls that all say the same thing. Right. Of terrorism. Nancy Cortes is on Capitol Hill, where military leaders say the ISIS strategy may need to expand beyond airstrikes. What? Nancy, good morning. Good morning. Well, the president's stated policy has been no U.S. troops on the ground, period. And yet, here on Capitol Hill, his top military advisor said he doesn't want to rule it out. <gasps> In a Senate yeah, up, hearing yo? Tuesday, Joint Chiefs hey. Chairman Martin Dempsey said right off the bat, U.S. ground troops might be needed in the fight against ISIS. If there are threats to the United States, then I, of course, would go back to the president and make a recommendation that may include the use of U.S. military ground forces. For example, Dempsey said American forward air controllers on the ground in Iraq could call in airstrikes that would help Iraqi forces retake the city of Mosul from ISIS fighters. All right, I want to stop right here. So we were just talking about that uh, coalition of the willing, right? Here's the problem so far with the coalition of willing, and I have a video in the supporter sync if you guys want to check out the overtime folder. It breaks down what each country is going to bring to the the fight in ISIS. It was just finalized today, the day we went on air. John Kerry's in Paris working with everybody. Of course, we're pulling the main strings here. Uh, really, nobody, nobody, with the exception of Jordan, is doing anything military support-wise for the most part. We're getting aid and gear, like, you know, Canada and France are sending that kind of stuff in. But actual, like, putting soldiers on the ground, yeah. Jordan has committed to, quote-unquote, military support. Ooh. Yeah, so there's that. Okay. Uh, Turkey's going to cut off the money. That's... Wow. That's great. Okay. Um, Saudi Arabia is going to continue to train the counter-rebels that they've been training this entire time. So they're going to basically continue to do what they've been doing this whole time. Totally been working so far. Uh, But uh, so far, so far, nobody's like, yeah, we're the ones that are going to send in the troops. No, We're the ones. Nobody. So when you hear them hedging like this, you have to keep this in mind. That right now, they are hedging right now because they know it might likely fall on us. Well, I'm equating it to that they're planting the seed. They're planting the seed. Yes. They're they're setting it up in your head. Right. So when they do have to right. send in the boots, right. you've already go. You know, I heard that before. The conditions I on the ground have that. changed. Right. Nobody stepped up to the plate. We're too close to a victory now to stop. We have to continue and we have to push it forward. So let's rewatch this and just keep this in mind. A right. Senate hearing Tuesday, Joint Chiefs Chairman Martin Dempsey said right off the bat, U.S. ground troops might be needed in the fight against ISIS. 
And if there are threats to the United States, then I, of course, would go back to the president and make a recommendation that may include the use of U.S. But you know what he ground. says right there when he says when there, if there's threats, threats to the, to the United, United States. States. That's, that they're currently a threat to the United States, according to them. Right. I just before before we went on air, I was watching C-SPAN, and they've had been they've been they've been having hearings all day, and every single testimony, like, yep, they're a threat so, to the U.S. So if they hear over here some sort of ISIL. That's your cue, Chris. ISIS. Uh, soldier on the ground talking yes. about, hey, I'm going to go into Atlanta, Georgia. We already have those. All, we already have YouTube videos. The ISIS just put out another one of their super fancy, highly produced videos where they say they're going to bomb the White House. All right, so, they're so, bomb so, the, so, White so the general House. could just say, hey, we just received reports. They're going to bomb the White House. They're going to bomb the White House. We need to send boots on the ground. to America. Boots on the ground. Nobody so, else is stepping up. So do you want to make a red book on well, this? Now, well, that we're going in on boots on right, the ground? All right. I mean, I think you want to make a red book. I, I, well, it's going to, I think it's just, they're, they're playing the seed. They're, well, absolutely. They're and, then, it. and then what's sneaky is this news report then expands on that and says, like, maybe supporting airstrikes. But that's their words. That's not his words. No, They're no. adding that in. I saw the testimony. I mean, he. I mean, the general there, I mean, obviously distinguished, you know, that if he's a four-star. All right, It's going to happen. I'm going to put it out. Here's the entry. Here, you put it red. You write down All while right. I play out the rest of this clip. Okay? All right, fair enough. Forces. For example, Dempsey oh, yeah. said American forward air controllers on the ground in Iraq could call in airstrikes that would help Iraqi forces. Mind you, this, what she's talking about, is what we're already going to be doing with the 1,700 troops we have there, not the additional support he was just talking about. That's what we're already, what she's saying right now is what we are already doing. That's the example she's citing. Retake the city of Mosul from ISIS fighters. It could very well be part of that particular mission to provide close combat advising or accompanying you know. uh, for that mission. The White House called that a hypothetical scenario and said the president's position hasn't changed. So now this is interesting because it's kind of like, well, the White House, is, in fact, Obama was ha- had a speech today yeah. trying to back away. And they say, no, and I love this term. There's no daylight between what the general is saying, and what the uh, president is saying. They're just saying it a little differently. <laughs> The House will vote today on authorizing the president to arm and train moderate Syrian rebels to go after ISIS on the ground. There are only bad choices left in Syria Mm -hmm. and Iraq. Mm -hmm. The measure is expected to pass, but even those who plan to vote yes worry that the U.S. will be arming rebels who could at some point turn against us. Despite reservations and questions, we must take action. Mm. The threat is real and ISIS Uh, must be confronted now. You know why he doesn't vote no? You know why he doesn't vote no. Because he doesn't want to be on the record voting no because he's probably up for re-election. Right. So let's talk about this for a second. So I want to make sure everybody understands they're not voting about supporting military action. Right. They're not voting about any course we're taking in Iraq. Right. The one thing they are voting – because the rest of that, the Obama administration is unilaterally executing on their own without any permission. What they are voting on is to train and arm the moderate Syrian rebels, which we already have acknowledged don't exist. In fact, Russia released a statement today saying uh, – Chase, is in the show notes there. Yeah. There's a Russian statement that says that, that the moderate rebels no longer exist at all and that the U.S. is like – Rebels are coordinating with terrorists. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I have that. Uh, so th- th- you can find a link to that in the show notes. So they're voting on arming the Syrian rebels. They're not even voting to fund it. They're just voting on whether we're going to do it or not. Yeah. They're, now, and, and, and we're going to come back to that here in just a second. Because, And the other thing is, the reason why they're not is because it is coming up to election season and they don't want to put their nuts on the chopper. No, they don't. Right. ...of the plan. Many of them Democrats likened to the fragmented rebel groups to the Mujahideen in Afghanistan, who the U.S. armed in the 1980s only to watch them morph into the Taliban. Make no mistake about it. We have given arms to every element 
in this conflict Whoa, with the look notion at him. that somehow look at him. Speak the, truth. the enemy of our enemy is our friend. And at the end of the day, we have no friends in this conflict. Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi spent the day privately addressing some of those concerns and assuming oh, that this Good. measure does pass in the House today. It then goes to the Senate, where it is also expected to pass, possibly, Nora, by the end of the week. All right, Nancy, thank you. Thanks, Ooh, Nancy. Look at that bipartisan support. Boop, coming out of nowhere. Boop, boop, hey, bipartisan uh, support. By the way, nice to wrap it up by the end of the week. I mean, it's always, I know, right? it's always nice. So uh, let's talk about these moderate rebels that we're going to be arming. Right. Now, I have said on the show, I know we've been doing this for years. I know we've been doing this for years. Tonight, just before we went on air, on the Ed Schultz show, Ed and some other guy just came right out and said it. Yeah, we've been doing it for two years. I want you to hear this clip. I was like, finally, finally. I knew we had other clips of it, but this, it's just beautiful. It's all wrapped up in a bow right there for us. Is at the State of the Union address? Uh, last January, and I'll reveal my source. Uh, I had Congressman from Minnesota, Rick Nolan, come up to me and say, Ed, we're training in Syria. Yeah. And no one's talking about it. Uh, I didn't follow up on the story at the time, but uh, oh, I did put it not. away and I haven't <laughs> forgotten it. You're saying tonight that we have been in, in Syria for several years. Uh, yes, it, is- it doesn't sound like breaking news to me, but it sure seems to me that we've understood the uh, insecurity of that region to the point where we haven't been totally disconnected. Now, if we've been in their training that long and take that information for what it is, how can we not be arming the correct people? Is our intel that bad or do we know exactly what we have to do? Oh, yeah, uh, this. Th- so let's let's just take that question in for a second. So if, yeah. if the CIA has been arming for two years, right. and we've been training them in Saudi Arabia for two years. Two years. And we have CIA training camps over there. Yep. And somehow, in that two years, ISIS has blossomed and grown and is armed with American guns, tanks, and trucks. Yeah. How are people not putting this together? How are we not putting this together right now? And I just want to play this again. Let's just, I mean, Ed's just asking questions, and Ed doesn't even ask the obvious question isn't ISIS our creation? Aren't, haven't, haven't all of the guns we've sent over there gone into the wrong hands? Arming the correct people. Is our intel that bad, or do we know exactly what we have to do? Yeah, uh, this, th- this is an extremely confusing and rapidly developing situation. So you have to understand that people don't necessarily have a full-blown plan for exactly what we're going to do tomorrow, the next day, and the, and the week after that. But there are elements of the Syrian opposition that, that we are working with. There were forces in the Kurdish armed forces, for example. And he used were- the word training to me. Yeah, he, he used the word training to me. We're, we have boots on the ground training. I want to play another yeah. exchange between Secretary Kerry and John McCain. Here it is. Is it your view that the Syrian opposition is viable? Hello. Hello, Senator. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking you so seriously. I'm right. I know. Is it your view the Syrian opposition is viable? Uh, The Syrian opposition has been viable enough to be able to survive under difficult circumstances, to hold lines, but not yet 
but they still have uh, some distance to go, and we need to help them go that distance. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and they obviously need our assistance in weapons and training, Give which we are going to embark on. Uh, are you surprised sometimes? Do you the like how he injected his opinion that, right there, McCain? And I also like how he said, we're going to embark upon it. McCain has physically – go go, go Google – actually, just do it right now. Would you do it right now? Yeah, Bring sure. up images.google.com yeah. and search for McCain Syrian rebels. He has been over there several times working out these deals. McCain has been the on-point guy at the top for this. So to, so when he says we're going to get started with that, he, he knows he's lying. To embark on. Uh, are you surprised sometimes at the degree of disinformation that members of Congress will swallow whole? Like there's been a ceasefire agreement between uh, the Free Syrian Army and ISIS put out by ISIS. Does that surprise you sometimes? Uh, Senator. <laughs> no, it doesn't sometimes. It doesn't surprise sometimes. You. I got it. No, no, no. I just left that exchanger in the end. So I thought that conversation that Ed had there where they talk about, yeah, so fuck, yeah we're arming them. I mean, been doing it for two years, training them too, training oh, and, them. And, and by the way, here's another good picture. Oh, hold on here. Uh, right. Oh, man, why is that jumping like that? There we go. So here's ISIS leader Abu Bakhradi. That's what they say, yeah. yeah. They yeah. say that the, they, That's what they say. So you can find images that, that people claim they've identified members of ISIS and you can see McCain posing with them. Yep. I don't know if I can believe. How do you know if you can believe it or not? I mean, I mean, who, how do you? Hey, know? How do you know? Right. I'm not. I don't. I don't know the ISIS guys. I don't know the ISIS guys. Uh, okay. All right. So here's something I thought was interesting. Speaking of John Kerry, you know, a military operation chase. When you hear about, you know, we're going into Iraq, we're going into Syria, we're doing airstrikes. Yeah. We're going to work with a coalition of partners, right? Yeah. This sounds like something like I picture a war room in the Pentagon, black and white, people smoking cigars, big bright fluorescent lights, the map of the world, and you know the and the Greatest generals in the United States sitting around a table making huge military decisions. Isn't that what you picture? Um, maybe a little bit more futuristic than that, but yeah, maybe along the same lines. Or there's a representative, yeah. or they got a big Skype call sure, going. Yeah, or yeah, something right? Like, yeah, right. Yeah, you know what I don't picture is John Kerry running the war. But it turns out our fight against ISIS is being run directly from the State Department, mm-hmm. which I think, if you follow the money, that's kind of an interesting indication. President Obama met today with the man that he's appointed to lead the U.S. effort against ISIS. Retired Marine Corps General John Allen got a lot of experience leading allies as commander of NATO forces in Afghanistan. Allen will lead the fight from the State Department, where we find Margaret Brennan tonight at her post. Margaret, why the State Department? Well, Scott, basing General Allen at the State Department's acknowledgement that airstrikes are only part of the strategy, Allen will coordinate with a coalition of 40 countries to shut off the flow of funds to ISIS, stem the tide of foreign fighters into the region, and help coordinate the training of Syrian and Iraqi forces. Secretary Kerry says the U.S. is fighting an ideology not a regime, and that requires more than just a military response. Margaret, thanks. Okay, all right. So Thanks, Margaret. Uh, so process that for a second. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think it means something that a, that a fight like I – mean, I, I really don't know. To me, it sounds like it, if it were running from the State Department, that would seem to portray the – motivations behind the initiative. Oh, totally. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, okay. All right. But 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 then again, it doesn't that's not proper. <laughs> right. 
Okay, I got a couple more ISIS things before we move on. Okay. You remember during our speech that we, our buddy Obama came into studio and we yep. streamed Obama's speech yep, live. he came in here. And I accidentally got the curtains wrong, so it kind of made him look like he had devil horns. Did you yeah, see that? That was my bad. Sorry. Sorry, but it's green screen. You know, yeah, yeah. just happens Chrome, with chroma key. wire cast. Yeah. Uh, but uh, during, during Barry's uh, impromptu, totally unscripted speech, he mentioned two countries that have been our allies in the war on terror. Right. I, I remember they stuck out to me like a sore thumb because I thought, how can we consider them to be allies? Really, what we've done is just used our strength to go in there and bomb people, and there's nothing they can do about it. Well, your buddy. My friend. Abby Martin ah, picked Abby. up on that, too. Ah, and uh, I thought her coverage of it was uh, pretty on point. Abby. Obama's address to the nation last week concerning America's response to ISIS truly had it all. Double speak, euphemisms, fake promises, and jingoistic fervor. But besides authorizing airstrikes in Syria and announcing the deployment of nearly 500 soldiers to Iraq while still maintaining an official no-boots-on-the-ground policy, there was another aspect of the speech that should deeply concern us all. See, less than two minutes in, Obama cited two countries that should be viewed as shining examples when it comes to fighting the perpetual war on terror. We've targeted al-Qaeda's affiliate in Yemen and recently eliminated the top commander of its affiliate in Somalia. This strategy of taking out terrorists who threaten us while supporting partners on the front lines is one that we have successfully pursued in Yemen and Somalia for years. Yes, just in case you forgot which countries the U.S. is still bombing, Obama wanted to make sure we all remember the terrorism eradication success stories in Yemen and Somalia. So let's take a look at the reality on the ground in those countries, starting with Yemen. Yemen remains the most impoverished nation in the Middle East, with half the population living below the poverty line, largely due to years of corrupt government leaders that have funneled the country's few natural resources to the political and military elite. As such, militant Islamic groups such as Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, or AQAP, which only came into existence in 2009, has been allowed to thrive in these desperate economic conditions when it comes to recruitment. And despite U.S. intervention in the country, the group continues to operate out of Yemen's rural southern region, nearly completely autonomous from the central government in Sana'a. According to the Bureau of Investigative Journalism, the U.S. has committed as many as 183 drone strikes in the country, killing as many as 1,009 people since 2002. And beyond the murder of countless innocent civilians and carrying out these attacks, this covert war has done almost nothing to stop the proliferation of the group. In the last year, AQAP has committed numerous atrocities throughout the country in the form of suicide and car bombings, kidnappings, and targeted assassinations. Most recently, at least 60 AQAP members moved into Yemen's capital in order to exploit the current unrest concerning protests by a Shiite Muslim political group. But hey, I guess being granted the status of Yemen's de facto air force is all the U.S. needs in order to call the covert military campaign in the country a success. Moving on to the U.S.'s other major terrorism success story, <laughs> Somalia. The Horn of Africa country is widely considered the biggest failed state in the world, with loose bands of tribal and extremist militias controlling large areas of the country. And while U.S. intervention there hasn't been as forceful as in Pakistan or Yemen, covert on-the-ground military operations in conjunction with drone strikes have killed as many as 173 people with a stunning 48 of them potentially being civilians, according to the Bureau of Investigative Journalism. Keep in mind that being a military-aged male classifies one as a militant. 
And once again, applying this overt military solution to a systemic problem has utterly failed to quell the growth of groups like al-Shabaab. This group only came into power around seven years ago and has since grown to as many as 6,000 members, according to the AP. The extremist organization routinely carries out attacks not only in Somalia, but in neighboring Kenya, most notably killing 67 people at a mall in Nairobi last year. And just this week, authorities are alleged to have foiled a plot by the group to carry out bombings in Uganda as well. See, what Obama and those who continue to perpetuate the military-industrial complex don't seem to understand is that if we continue to try and drone the problem of terrorism away, we're destined to fight this endless battle until the end of time. But then again, that might be exactly what they want. Oh! Snap. Oh, snap, Abby. Oh, snap. All right. Okay. So that's, uh, we're now, we're just about to close out the ISIS segment. Uh, I do have one clip. It's just kind of interesting. Okay. We can just play it for a little bit and you can just tell me to cut it off if you're done with it. All right. But your buddy, my friend, John Brennan, sat down, John. director of the CIA, to talk about ISIS. And ISIL. I just, I find it fascinating how this man, the head of the most powerful and dangerous organization in the entire world, an organization whose mission is to overthrow governments, shadow control the United States, and train Syrian rebels, he just seems like such a lovable care bear. Yeah. Just watch it a little bit. Just tell me if you don't want to give him a big hug. Our Homeland Security correspondent Bob Orr met today with CIA Director John Brennan at CIA headquarters. And as you'll hear, Brennan painted a grim picture as he described the threat posed by ISIS. They have pillaged and and raped and plundered and taken captive uh, men, women, and children. And they have just uh, mowed down tribes and uh, families. They are evil incarnate. No, that's the CIA. This is a terrorist organization with an army and heavy weapons Mm -hmm. and safe operating space. Does that make it more dangerous than Al Qaeda? Is he talking about the CIA or is he asking about ISIL? Yeah, that I was just going to say. Yeah, I'm not mean? sure who if he's, <laughs> he's. I think he's talking about the CIA, right? No, he's talking about ISIS. ISIL, whatever. ISIS. Yeah. ISIL. It was prior to 9/11. I think it certainly makes it more destabilizing to the region as a whole, and we know that uh, ISIL is looking beyond ISIL. the area right yeah. now that they yep. uh, they control to, to carry out attacks. Uh, and they have even said publicly and threatened uh, the United States and the West uh, with attacks. Mm, the president has pledged to degrade and destroy ISIS. Do you have the intelligence resources available and in place to accomplish that mission? Uh, I can't tell you I think that. we certainly have the determination, and now we have the uh, agreement of a number of, of partners uh, oh, worldwide. Oh, who are they? Uh, will you will you put, will you make a, a yeah, red book yeah, prediction yeah, yeah. for me while what, we what play this out? What do you need? So you see how they're using the term degrade and destroy. Yeah, degrade and destroy. Uh, and they, they'll focus more on the degrade. I, I think because what they're going to do is mission. You can put this down as as, as, as mission creep or whatever you want. But what they're going to do is they're going to build the case that regime change in Iraq and establishing a three state government or something like that in Iraq will be the necessary weapon to do fully degrade ISIS because we will have to the United States and all of our coalition will have to guide these 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 poor fools into into creating a government that defends from ISIS and that'll be how we degrade ISIS is by creating a new stronger government. Yep. So that's why they're using some of these words. That's my get. And that'll be that'll and then of course then we got then we got to get back into creating a new government, putting right. people in place. So that's where the mission's going. To work together to crush ISIL. Brennan told us a priority is taking out terrorist leaders. 
including ISIS commander Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Baghdadi. But the U.S. will need specific intelligence to hit high-value targets. If only we monitored everything. So these efforts to try to find uh, and bring to justice the individuals responsible for some of these attacks, it's a lengthy process. And I think that's one of the things that we have to understand. Their, their time will come, and uh, we are going to make sure that we're able to be relentless in our pursuit uh, of them. Don't you just want to give the director of the CIA the biggest hug ever? Oh, he seem like a night. You know, he's the kind of guy. I wish he was my grandpa. Feel, he makes me feel so secure. Yeah, I feel safe. Thanks. Uh, all right, we got more clips on ISIS in the supporter sync, but I think we're gonna have to move along. Okay. Uh, however, uh, I, I did get a clip of Glenn Beck's solution to solve the entire ISIS problem in one week, oh. and, and he's pretty convinced by uh, Friday. That we could, we could, we could take care of this. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, it starts. You know, I don't know why we didn't think of this. Two words for you, Chase. All right. Fuel bomb. What? Fuel bomb. Fuel bomb. Outside of nuclear weapons, the most horrific weapon that we have, and a neutron weapon, um, of conventional weapons, I think, is the fuel air bomb. Most people don't know about the fuel air bomb. It, it's a really terrifying weapon. And it actually it, it, it sprays fuel in the air just above the ground. And you can hear the pain in Glenn Beck's voice. <laughs> he is a man of God. He has no he is. He's a man of yeah, God. He has yeah. very no, I'm deep not faith. About that, but... He's very deep faith. And you can yeah. you could hear how it would it would probably make him very sad that we would murder any of God's children in this way. Totally. And once it sprays it out, it then the bomb explodes and ignites the sky above the troops. And it actually eats up all of the oxygen in the air. So it removes the air from the lungs. <laughs> I mean, you could see how this would be extremely disturbing. And uh, Glenn Beck obviously is warning the people about something that is so awful. Of everybody fighting. It, it, that's the last thing you do is you, you, you're looking up and you can't breathe. Man, that's bad. There's no air. Don't want that. Like and he's then it rains fire it. on you. It's a horrific, horrific bomb. So don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. So the fuel air bomb, I'm sorry. But if you want to fight them, you have to fight them with everything that we have. And I mean, you go to your generals. I'm the president. You go to the generals and say, I'm taking nukes off the table. No neutron bomb, no nuclear weapons. Everything else, you've got one week. Forget shock and awe. And we're not warning them. I'm warning them tonight. We're coming for you. You got seven days. Give them every. You show the world what America does when we unleash the might and full power of the United States of America. Suck the air out of their lungs and push them back into the darkness. So maybe we can have 30 more years before we have to do it again. What do you think of that, Chase? What do you think of that? Is that a good solution or what, buddy? Uh, do you think he's hearing eagles problem, in the back of his head? Problem solved, Chase. And like the Star Spangled Banner. I mean, he is like. I've noticed that back this last couple of weeks has been talking a lot about if I was president. I think he's been fantasizing a little uh, bit. Is and he always changes his microphone. Yeah, he's got he's got different mics for different sets, which changes the sound of him all the time. Yeah, it's really weird. It's very odd. You think you would recognize as a radio host your sound is part of your brand? I, I don't get it. Anyways, we got to talk a little about Scotland. I, this is not an area of expertise. It's probably one of the biggest stories going on in the world that I'm the dumbest you, on. You know, oddly enough, um, I was in a training class with a uh, British national. Oh yeah, today. Uh, oh, this during this week. Oh okay. And uh, she's originally from the UK. Oh, is she? Huh, Chase? Yeah. Does she have an accent? Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. And she's like, 
I asked her, you know, so how do you feel about what's going on? And uh-huh. she, she's like, how does that feel to you? Is what you asked her. They, <laughs> they can do what they want. That's just she said. She's, really? She's like, can yeah. you can you give can you use her accent? Can I hear what it sounds like? No. <laughs> All right. Well, here I'll play. NBC is trying to NBC is trying to hook a brother up with a little four one one on what's going on. Let's see how the they cliff did. notes. Here we go. Well, yeah. The, well, the, the, that's pretty much how NBC rolls, I'm right? Blood back. The Here's NBC the notes. notes. No, that's not that. Jeez. No. Fine. Things are a wee Boom. bit nervous across the Atlantic tonight we? because Scotland may be about to do something we here in the colonies did a while back, declare independence from Great Britain. There's a lot at stake and the polling remains neck and neck, which means the United Kingdom, which we all came to learn as England, Wales, Northern Ireland and Scotland, may not be so united after all. Ooh. Our report tonight from NBC's Kelly Cobiea in Edinburgh. Scotland, land of bagpipes and Braveheart. Hear the phasing. Oh, man's going to get us pulled down from YouTube. Epic battle future. To leave the United Kingdom. Or not. With polls saying it's too close to call, British politicians have resorted to begging. We want you to stay. Head, heart and soul, we want you to stay. The Scottish flag was even raised over 10 Downing Street. That didn't go well. Whoa! You might think of Scotland as independent, but it's not. It's been part of Great Britain for centuries. And many people here say it's been too long. They're tired of taking orders from a central government far away. But what would a split really mean? Would the Union Jack lose its Scottish blue? Would Scotland still pay its bills with a British pound? And what about all the UK oil oh. from Scottish oh. waters? Oh. oh! Wait, wait, Chris, oh. what do I always say on this Chase, show, Chris? You know, I have all of a sudden this strong sensation, like maybe we should... Show me the money! There Why don't we, we just go. take a minute and do a show me the money update, Chase? In fact, if you look at the show notes, yes. you might notice that there is a little bit of details from the New York Times about the money situation, particularly when it comes to Scotland and oil. So I'm going to play this economy clip, and then we'll go over those numbers here in just a sec. Yep. This is, uh, by the way, this is very video heavy. So for those of you on the audio, if you're a supporter, I would recommend you grab the, vi- the video version of this in the supporter sync because this is in the CNN virtual room. It's super cool. On September the 18th, Scotland will decide on its future. But just what would independence actually mean for the Scottish economy and, of course, the individual industries that make it up? Well, oil is the biggest potential revenue driver for Scotland, with 90% of the UK's total oil and gas reserves actually located inside this country. It employs almost 200,000 people. Okay, so $9 billion in tax revenue, 90% of the oil. And, and how much of that revenue uh, would they get to keep if they split mm-hmm. away, Chase? What is the, what is the numbers from the New York Times article? Uh, it was uh, 10%, Chris. They would get 90%. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. I was, giving, 10, I was yeah. giving the inverse number. Yeah, right. Yeah, so they would 90%. save of it if they separate. Yep. Uh, that's got to be about money right there, just oh, right totally there, right? right? Because they've got to be looking yeah. at it going, boy, we do yep. this, we're way better off. Yep. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, this is one of the things where we we are so far removed from the situation, it's hard to have uh, you know, the depth of understanding that I'm sure anybody over in that area has compared to us. Oh, totally. But coming from this angle, I can at least see the finances side of it. I can see the dollars and, and cents of it, or whatever. But the, the thing is, I mean, wouldn't this just totally destroy uh, England at that point? I mean, gosh. I don't know, man. I don't know how that... I, I think uh, what they need to do is make a deal with Vladimir Putin. Oh, <laughs> man. 
<laughs> hey, should we end it on a high note? You sent in a clip this week, and you're like, Chris, we got to put this in the show. <laughs> and uh, this will be if if that last clip didn't get us pulled down from YouTube, this will be the one this that one will. the last clip of the day and it's going to get us pulled down from YouTube. But yep. you also did you have? Oh, there was. Oh, 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 you know what? So in the show notes, we have a little information about a job fair. Yes. So we've talked a lot about how uh, the what the revenue situation is in Colorado since they went with recreational cannabis. Last week, we talked about how recreational cannabis has now uh, gone- Surpassed sur- medical. Thank you. Right. And now this week, they had a really interesting job fair. It's like, it sounds like some serious jobs are being added to the Colorado economy. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Uh, for, first off, there was a, a story- about I think the timing is everything on this. So first off, you had a story about the marijuana industry are trying to get over the, stere- the yes. stoner stereotype. Right, you know, Cheech and Chong right. up in smoke. They're trying to show off that you know, hey, normal people right. use pot too. Yeah, and- maybe if if the media could stop rolling the B roll of the guy smoking the giant doobies, the the professional cannabis industry would really appreciate that. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things where well, we don't want to be considered bad and all right. that. Uh, but in Denver... They had a little job fair in yeah, Denver. There, I don't know if you... There's now a video on this clip, by the way. Oh, is there? Yeah, there is. Oh, now. yeah, but it's horrible. Oh, it is? Oh, it's super oh, okay. bad. Yeah, right. it's super bad. Yeah, I tried to play it, and it's all kinds of, like, bad encoded. So, you know, hun- a couple hundred, which is honestly not a lot uh, when you're looking at a job fair in today's economy, but a couple of hundred job seekers went to Denver's Mile High Station. hey on Tuesday for a big job fair. So about 50 companies were working for looking for workers to fill about 500 jobs. 500 open job positions. Yep, the positions ranged from bud tenders, instead of bartenders. Hey, bud tenders. Uh, in stores to upper level management. Yeah, in fact, they opened up the morning with like a, like a meet and greet executive breakfast where like CEOs and CTOs and CIOs of other big companies who are burned out in their jobs and want to go get a job in a new industry, they had a special breakfast meeting to, to attract them. Be like, hey, are you a heavy hitter and want to come work for us? Let's meet and greet. Yeah. And then they had a general fair for like all of the types of jobs. They had 500 openings. Uh, job seeker Rudy Nazario said, I'm out here looking for a job in the cannabis industry. I'm trying to quit my manual labor job in New York and pursue something I'm passionate about. Uh, industry analysts estimate about 12,000 people are now employed in the cannabis industry in hey, Colorado. How about that? Wow. All right. So John Hodgman uh, went on air, and you found this clip. Yes. And it, oh, this clip. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, this will probably get us pulled down, but it's so great. It's so worth I, it. Right when I saw this clip, I, I, I immediately sent me I immediately yeah. sent it to Chris. This, I'm is like, great. this is perfect. I was like, you need to clip this for the show. That, we're going to end on a happy note this, this week. This is a good clip. You guys are going to like this. All right. Uh, so here we go. This is our last clip of the week. John, if I may call you John, you believe passionately... He was on Conan, obviously. (laughs) You believe passionately in the Mayan apocalypse. You thought the Mayan apocalypse was going to occur and that the world was going to end. Should I jump ahead? How long ago was this? No, no, no. It's quick. I no longer believe in it quite as passionately as I did. (laughs) (laughs) I'm beginning to think the Mayans may have been wrong. Okay. But they were dummies. Yeah. They couldn't even make smooth pyramids. I don't know why I was... So you are not, you no longer believe, has your life changed at all now that you no longer believe that your death is imminent? Well, I've started setting small fires. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. And And I'll tell you something, Wiz Khalifa won't. I have begun experimenting with marijuana. 
<laughs> really? Yeah. 43 wow. years old. Decided I'd give it a try. You just started now at 43? Yeah, well, I never did drugs before because I was a good kid, you know. Sure, only and, child. Yeah, exactly. And I, I have no problem with drugs. I've been sucking on an asthma inhaler since I was yay high. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. And occasionally I'd indulge, as anyone would, in a handful of, you know, painkillers swiped from your For, wife I mean, she had a C-section. You know what uh, I mean? I don't know if we can... Pa- yeah, yeah. First off... I love the fact that he brings up the pharmaceutical yeah. I mean, yeah. this clip that is, is full actually, of gold. You're right. Do you think that, that had to be intentional? It was so intentional. He's a smart SOB. Oh, oh I know. And, and so when he brought that up, I was like, this is gold. That is... You, did, did you not pick up on that? Well, like, no, I didn't because I'm just like, I just thought he was just trying to appeal to like, because no. I think a lot of people do that. No, I know, but the You're way, right, the the way he brought it up. He's framing like this. First the, off, I, I always use an asthma inhaler right. since I was a kid, so drugs is not a big deal. And then, you know, occasionally I would right. always get high on prescription medication. Right. Right. And there's probably a lot of people who would be who might be judgy for him trying weed and then be like, yeah, I've d- I, but I've done that. Yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. Occasionally, I as anyone would in a handful of, you know, painkillers swiped from your wife after she had a C-section. You know what I mean? Normal stuff. Because <laughs> those are pills. That's science. You know, that's good. But Conan can't, can't believe take it. Those pills. <laughs> OK, it's go fine. ahead. She, I don't think she needed them. OK. <laughs> marijuana is unseemly, you know, because that's. Uh, like, you dig that out of the ground, I think. Like, don't they have pigs root around for it in Italy? <laughs> no, right? no, no, no. Think... Those are truffles. <laughs> no, I think it's the, ma- the marijuana pigs are owned No, by... there's no marijuana they're... pigs. They're owned by hippie druids. No, they're not owned by hippie druids. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. You're wrong about so much here. But now it's... <laughs> now it's different. Because marijuana is being decriminalized and mm-hmm. the stigma is falling away. Yeah. And the science is catching up. You don't uh, burn marijuana in a golden brazier like you did in college. What you do now is you feed it. All right. All right. Hold, pause here for a minute. So yeah, I know you've seen the clip. Everybody has. Most people haven't. He, what he's going to go on to talk about here is this is something that I believe that he – him at he I think he really is a user because what he's going to go in here is like some uber details right yeah and and he's talking about uh, you know because I think going back to that image thing that the cannabis industry wants to change about those huge huge doobies oh yeah yeah right he's kind story. of he's yeah. kind of addressing that saying look it's not really like this dirty smoking kind of thing like it used to be it's something that's changed and it's healthier yeah like you did in college what you do now is you feed it. <laughs> To a very specific scientific temperature until I think like the witch ghost of intoxication comes out and dances in your brain. And here's the thing. These vaporizers that they're using now are these beautiful consumer electronic products. Yes. And, you know, I'm 43 years old. Wait, was that Conan jumping in there? Yeah. I I imagine marijuana probably isn't as fattening as my nightly martini gallon. Right. Martini gallon. And they're basically putting it into asthma inhalers, so how can I not do it? Do you know what I mean? I want to be part of culture. I'm going to try it. All right. Well, that's a good message to get out there for the children. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I thought that was a fun one. I just... That's a good find, Chase. I mean, yeah, it's I good mean, when, when, first off, you're I our could, Conan correspondent. Well, I couldn't believe that a that made it to television that they're 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 all okay with it. Well, and, it's you know it's cable. 
Yeah, I know, true. but I think it's a good trend. I think it's a good trend, though. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Uh, all right, Chase, we should probably start getting out of here. We should wrap Fair it enough. up. Uh, I yes. just want to mention to the people, if you yeah. like the Unfiltered show, while even though we're in transition and not our normal structure, uh, soon we'll be back to our regular format. And the patrons over at patreon.com slash unfilter are how we do this show. No ads. That way we can talk about whatever we want, any topic we want, any way we want to talk about it and be as brutally honest as we got to be. Eventually, we'll be back to the old model where it's just the main show and the supporter show is exclusive to those patrons right now still exclusive to those patrons is the post on the patron page that's right also the uh, links the BitTorrent sync the RSS feed all that stuff for the supporter show is exclusive to our patrons not only that but they also get to know they're the ones that keep us on the air every single week they're the people that motivate us they're the people we look to to tell us what direction we need to go in they are the people we report to they're our boss yep. patreon.com slash unfilter please keep our show going please help us keep reaching those milestones and yeah, thanks to all 330 of you patrons out there who support what we're doing and uh by the way since this is going to be released to everybody make sure you share it you know tell a friend tweet it out you know those those kind of situations if you're ever going to share a supporter show these would be the ones to do these would be the ones to do especially while we're we're only gonna be doing them for a little bit longer for the general public a little bit longer until all the gear's done then then we'll be back to our normal schedule and uh thank you all of you all 330 of you who keep us going patreon.com Slash unfilter. You guys like seriously rock super hard. We no, really, totally, really totally, totally. It's Be, absolutely, I mean, it's absolutely fundamental it's, to how we structure. It's this one show. of those things where this show wouldn't work any other way. To be honest, just because of the fact. We wouldn't that, want to. I well, wouldn't want to ever ask. It's not even there's that many there's, I'm not even ever worried about the moment a sponsor would tell us not to do something. I never want to have to be the guy that just puts them in the uncomfortable position. That's not how I treat my clients. Yep, that's true. And uh, I know that my clients, in the case of this show. Are those patrons? That's it's our right. audience. That's pa- that's the what patrons we make the to. difference. Three hundred and thirty CEOs. <laughs> also, unfiltered.reddit.com is where you can go to make a difference in the content that we cover. Also, share your insights and opinions, comments, vote up and down. Unfiltered.reddit.com. We use that to get a little bit of a gauge of what you guys want to cover, what you want to see from the Unfiltered show, and also it's a way to get even more because a lot of things that are fall within the scope of the show but just didn't fit in a weekly show, you can get additional coverage there. Unfiltered.reddit.com. Now, now over fifteen hundred readers. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. I think it's great. Chase, uh, people wanted to follow you throughout the week, get updates on what you're working on, how things are going with your server recovery, things like that. Is there like a, I don't know, like a feed where in short bursts yeah. you could update people yep. on what you're up to? Yeah, they can head out over to twitter.com slash newness, hmm. where you can uh, jump in my com- personal private conversation. You can follow me there. Hey, Tw- Chase. Tweet uh, at me. I tweet back. Is your, uh, is your Twitter profile on a boat? It's on a boat, I'm Chase. on a boat. Nice. Where are you, Chris? Yeah, now, Chris, I would recommend wanna... it, Chase. If you want to follow me, I would recommend it. Well, I would. I, I, I follow you. I, I fully endorse my Twitter feed. I fully recommend it. I, I, I would go to Chris LAS on Twitter. There Boom. you let everybody know when shows are going live, like Tech Talk Today. And Unfilter. And Unfilter. Or like tomorrow when we're doing a double tech snap. I would tell you that. Are you doubling down on tech snap? Double tech snap tomorrow, Double Chase. tech snap. That's how I roll. Now, we do the show Wednesday evenings. We get started around 5 p.m. Pacific time for the big party. So make sure you jump in our chat room next week. JBLive.tv, JupiterBroadcasting.com slash calendar to get that converted in your local time zone. That's right, you guys. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for tuning this week's episode of Unfilter. We'll see you right back here next, next week.
All right, buddy. JBTitles.com. Everybody go boat. Last chance to suggest. You know, there was one more clip that I wanted to put in the show that just didn't fit. Because, you know, what do you always say, Chase? Show me the money! Well, there's something I started doing when we first started this show. And when the pundits would come on the cable TV shows, I would write down their name and I would go Google them. I do it every now and then still. Like, you just saw me do it before we went on air. But I've stopped... Because it's like if you think about it, if you think about the amount of clips that I have to watch versus the amount of pundits, sometimes there's four oh, pundits God. per clip. I, I just, it, it, it gets it, crazy. It, just, it doesn't scale, Chase. Yeah. It doesn't scale. No, no, it doesn't. But something I have known in my core, I've known it in my core, Chase, is as all these experts are coming on and talking about ISIS, ISIL, that and we need to go to war. I'm like, I knew these guys all had money connections. Well, yeah. there is a report out now that talks a little bit about that, and Democracy now covered it, so I'm going to play that for you. It didn't fit in the main show, but I think it's incredibly important to know where these mainstream experts are coming from. Warren Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman with Nermeen Sheikh. We turn now to an investigative report that finds many talking heads who've been fanning the flames of war in the news media have ties to Pentagon contractors. In a piece headlined, Who's Paying the Pro-War Pundits?, reporter Lee Fong says many of these commentators, quote, have skin in the game as paid directors and advisors to some of the largest military contractors in the world. Fong continues, ramping up America's military presence in Iraq and directly entering the war in Syria, along with greater military spending more broadly, is a debatable solution to a complex political and sectarian conflict. But those goals do unquestionably benefit one player in this saga, America's defense industry. The ties of pundits to Pentagon contractors who stand to profit off war are not disclosed by the media where they proffer their views. One of the worst offenders in this regard is retired General Jack Keane, who, according to the piece, has appeared on Fox News at least nine times over the last two months advocating military strikes against ISIS. Let's go to a clip from Sunday. I do believe that the air campaign that's taking place in Iraq now will be expanded, but also we should expand immediately into Syria. He does not need congressional authorization for that. I'll leave it to him whether he thinks he should get that or not. But the fact of the matter, from a military perspective, we should be bombing Syria and Iraq simultaneously now. That's retired General Jack Keane speaking on Fox News Sunday. He's introduced simply as a think tank leader and a former military official. Okay. Again, what's not disclosed is the range of his affiliations with Pentagon contractors. Keane's a special advisor to Academy, the contractor formerly known as Blackwater, and a board member of the military contractor General Dynamics. He's also a venture partner to SCP Partners, an investment firm that works with military contractors. Keane's think tank has also provided data on ISIS used by the New York Times, the BBC, and other major outlets. To find out more, we go to San Francisco to speak with the author of the piece, Lee Fong. He is an investigative fellow with the Nation Institute contributing writer at the magazine. Welcome to Democracy Now!, Lee. Talk about first General Keene and some of the other people. I think you get the point. Yeah. So uh, those guys that are going on there and they're experts, yeah. they got skin in the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, not course. that we didn't know it, but yeah. it's just, I think it's every good. It's, it's good. nice to be drawn Something that out we sometimes there. assume based on past experiences. It's yep. good to have, you know, re, you know, revisit that assumption. Yep. So let's go to jbtitles.com, Chase, see JB where we're at. JBTitles. What's in the lead over there right now? jbtitles.com, jbtitles.com, everybody, let's vote. Uh, coalition of Just Us, Coalition of None, Going It Alone, The Alarming Army, Another Mission in Iraq, Another Failed Coalition. Not like any of these? Coalition of Enemies? I'm not feeling it too much. I know, this is a tough one. ISIS is happy, 9-11. Denver Mile High. (laughs) I thought the law, the law won. 
Operation Ebola Storm, Coalition of Just Us. Okay, all right. Coalition of None. Alan goes to ISIL. Going it alone. Uh, see, none of those are really quite fair because we do have some partners. Another mission in Iraq. Another. F I like another failed coalition. Uh, boy, yeah, these do kind of stink, though. We need something maybe with ISIS in it again. Or ISIL? Yeah, maybe not. It's a hard one. It's a hard one. What do you think, Chase? I'm thinking. I'm chewing on it. It's a little bit harder. I mean... I don't know. I'm, I'm stuck. off laughing. This is what I'll say. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to have to figure it out off air, I guess, because, I mean, we just can't sit around here picking our butts till we don't... I know, it's... It's a hard one to title. Yeah. Maybe we could title... I don't know. Maybe we'll come up with something. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, ISIL. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I know. You guys are waiting for it. There was, see how the chairman was waiting for it? They yeah. needed it, Chase. They needed it. They needed it. F the EU. They needed it. I, you know what? Because they needed it so hard and I waited so long, Chase. Moment of silence. Let's reflect. I'm driving off laughing. This is what I'll say. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there you go. All right, Charim. You earned it. Now title it. Uh, I know I'm spelling independence wrong, but uh, I'm, I'm going I'm going off board. I'm calling it Scotland's oil independence. Oh, come on. Do you think <laughs> we should really? Scotland? That's like we spent the least amount of time on I, that. I know. I, I, I don't know. Uh, let's uh, let's pull it out from Obama. Let's see. The, uh, the, uh, uh, let's see. Um, how about something about the ISIL? The, the, it's going to be a failed ISIL promise, like the failed promise about going into Iraq. We need something. What today's episode was, was we played clips and we're like, yeah, they say no boots on the ground. Here's boots on the ground. Here's wait, the last four wait, presidents wait, wait, going wait, into wait, Iraq. Wait, wait, I, we need something that says what they're selling you right now is going to lead to another quagmire. We need a title that says it's going to be a failure. It's going to be a hot mess. What says that? That's catchy and people are ready. ISIL see boots coming. I'm done. I still, that's no good. That's no good. I still see boots coming. I see boots a, coming. Uh, boots, co boots are coming. Might not be bad though. I still see a boots are coming. Boots in the, boots to Iraq. Uh, uh, Obamacare. I still see boots coming. Uh, geez, that's oh, it's close. Like uh, maybe um, it's too bad we've done back to back in Iraq because that's yeah, so much of what's going on right now. Um. ISIL boots in coalition. No, because it's not going to be a coalition. X Dotto. <laughs> All right, I think we're going to have to go. All right. We're going to have to run. All right. I don't think we're getting anywhere. I think we're going to see if we can come up with one off air. All right. Is this the first time this has ever happened? No, no, no. 
I think it is. No, it's not. I think it's precedent setting. I uh, no. It's Does that mean we had a failed show? No. Oh no! Everything is ruined. No. Oh god. The humanity. Why did it all have to fail now? Leave Britney alone. Come on, Scotland, don't leave us. Leave Britney alone. Zombies don't run Linux. That's true. Zombies don't run Linux. That's a good point. That is a really good point. Uh, Danica. Is she still racing? Yeah, dude. Huh. All right. Well, chat room, you have. I'm gonna uh, dance naked now. You you failed to report for duty today. I think if they don't title the show, doesn't that mean that they failed us? I don't know. The chat room failed. The only way to make up for it now is once we get off air, suggest something and go vote it up. JBTitles.com. Only you, chat room, can change the future history of our title for this single episode. Does that make any sense? No. 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 All right, everybody. Thanks so much. Love your faces. <laughs> Good night. See you tomorrow for double tech snap. Dub snap.